Section 19 of Lives of the Most Eminent Painters, Sculptors, and Architects, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Theoden Humphrey. Lives of the Most Eminent Painters, Sculptors, and Architects, Volume 6, by Giorgio Vasari. Translated by Gaston Ducey de Verre. Section 19. Life of Perino del Vaga, Painter of Florence. Part 3. At that time, Perino returned from Genoa to Pisa, and having seen that beginning, at the instance of Battista del Cervelliera, a person well conversant with art and a most ingenious master of wood carving, perspective, and inlaying, he was presented to the warden. After they had discoursed together on the subject of the works of the Duomo, Perino was asked to paint an altarpiece for an ornament immediately within the ordinary door of entrance, the ornamental frame being already finished, and above that a scene of St. George slaying the dragon and delivering the king's daughter. Perino therefore made a most beautiful design, which included a row of children and other ornaments in fresco between one chapel and the other, and niches with prophets and scenes of various kinds and this design pleased the warden. And so, having made the cartoon for one of them, the first one, that opposite to the door mentioned above, he began to execute it in color, and finished six children, which are very well painted. He was to have continued this right round, which would have made a very rich and very beautiful decoration, and the whole work together would have proved to be something very handsome. But he was seized with a desire to return to Genoa, where he had involved himself in love affairs and other pleasures, to which he was inclined at certain times. And on his departure he gave to the nuns of Santa Mafeo a little altarpiece that he had painted for them in oils, which is now in their possession in the convent. Then, having arrived in Genoa, he stayed there many months, executing other works for the prince. His departure from Pisa displeased the warden greatly, and even more the circumstance that the work remained unfinished, Wherefore, he did not cease to write to him every day that he should return, or to make inquiries from Perino's wife, whom he had left in Pisa. But finally, perceiving that the matter would never end, Perino neither answering nor returning, he allotted the altarpiece of that chapel to Giovanni Antonio Soliani, who finished it and set it into its place. Not long after this, Perino returned to Pisa, and seeing the work of Soliani, flew into a rage, and would on no account continue what he had begun, saying that he did not choose that his pictures should serve as ornaments for those of other masters. Wherefore, so far as concerned him, that work remained unfinished. Giovanni Antonio carried it on to such purpose that he painted four altarpieces, but these, at a later date, appeared to Sebastiano della Seta, the new warden, to be all in the same manner, and somewhat less beautiful than the first, and he allotted to Domenico Beccafumi of Siena, after proving his worth from some pictures that he painted round the sacristy, which are very beautiful, an altarpiece which he executed in Pisa. This not giving as much satisfaction as the first pictures, he caused the two last that were wanting to be painted by Giorgio Vasari of Arezzo, and they were placed at the two doors beside the corner walls of the main façade of the church. Of these, as well as of many other works, both large and small, that are dispersed throughout Italy and various places abroad, it does not become me to say more, and I will leave the right of free judgment about them to all who have seen or may see them. The loss of this work caused real vexation to Perino. 
he having already made the designs for it, which gave promise that it would prove to be something worthy of him, and likely to give that temple great fame over and above that of its antiquities, and also to make Perino immortal. During the many years of his sojourn in Genoa, although he drew both profit and pleasure from that city, Perino had grown weary of it, as he remembered Rome in the happy days of Leo. But although, during the lifetime of Cardinal Ippolito de' Medici, he had received letters inviting him into his service, and he had been disposed to enter it, the death of that lord brought it about that he hesitated to repatriate himself. While matters stood thus, with his many friends urging his return, himself desiring it infinitely more than any of them, and several letters being exchanged, one morning, in the end, the fancy took him, and without saying a word, he set off from Pisa and made his way to Rome. There, after making himself known to the most reverend Cardinal Farnese, and then to Pope Paul, he stayed many months without doing anything, first because he was put off from one day to another, and then because he was attacked by some infirmity in one of his arms, on account of which he spent several hundreds of crowns, to say nothing of the discomfort, before he could be cured of it. Wherefore, having no one to maintain him, and being vexed by his cold welcome from the court, he was tempted many times to go away. But Morza and many other friends exhorted him to have patience, telling him that Rome was no longer what she had been, and that now she expected that a man should be exhausted and weary of her before she would choose and cherish him as her own, and particularly if he were pursuing the path of some fine art. At this time, Maestro Pietro de Massimi bought a chapel in the Trinita, with the vaulting and the lunettes painted and adorned with stucco, and the altarpiece painted in oils, all by Giulio Romano and Perino's brother-in-law, Giovan Francesco, and that gentleman was desirous to have it finished. In the lunettes were four stories of Santa Mary Magdalene in fresco, and in the altarpiece in oils was Christ appearing to Mary Magdalene in the form of a gardener and Maestro Pietro first caused a gilt frame of wood to be made for the altarpiece, which had a miserable one of stucco, and then allotted the walls to Perino, who, having caused the staging and the screen to be erected, set his hand to the work, and after many months brought it to completion. He made a design of bizarre and beautiful grotesques, partly in low relief and partly painted, and he executed two little scenes of no great size, one on each wall, surrounding them with an ornament in stucco of great variety. In one scene was the pool of Bethesda, with all the cripples and sick persons, and the angel who comes to move the waters, the porticos seen most beautifully foreshortened in perspective, and the movements and vestments of the priests, all painted with great grace and vivacity, although the figures are not very large. In the other he painted the raising of Lazarus after he had been dead four days, wherein he is seen newly restored to life and still marked by the pallor and fear of death. And round him are many who are unswathing him, and not a few who are marveling, and others struck with awe, besides which the scene is adorned with some little temples that recede into the distance, executed with supreme lovingness, as are also the works in stucco all around. There are likewise four very small scenes, two to each wall, and one on either side of the larger scene, in one of which is the centurion beseeching Christ that he should heal with a word his son who is dying, 
in another Christ driving the traitors from the temple, in a third the transfiguration, and in the last a similar scene. And on the projections of the pilasters within the chapel, he painted four figures in the guise of prophets, which, in their proportions, their excellence, and their beauty, are as well executed and finished as they could well be. In a word, the whole work was carried out with such diligence and is so delicate that it resembles miniature rather than painting. In it may be seen much charm and vivacity of coloring, and signs of great patience in its execution, revealing that true love which should be felt for art. And he painted this whole work with his own hand, although he had a great part of the stucco work executed after his designs by Guglielmo Milanese, whom he had formerly had with him at Genoa, loving him much, and once even offering to give him his daughter in marriage. This Guglielmo, in reward for restoring the antiquities of the house of Farnese, has now been made friar of the Piombo, in the place of Fra Sebastiano Veneziano. I must not omit to tell that against one wall of this chapel was a most beautiful tomb of marble, with a dead woman of marble, beautifully carved by the sculptor Bologna, on the sarcophagus, and two little naked boys at the sides. The countenance of that woman was a lifelike portrait of a very famous courtesan of Rome, who left that memorial of herself, which was removed by the friars, because they felt scruples that such a woman should have been laid to rest there with so much honor. This work, with many designs that he made, was the reason that the very reverend Cardinal Farnese began to give him an allowance and to make use of him in many works. By order of Pope Paul, a chimney-piece that was in the chamber of the burning of the Borgo was placed in that of the Segnatura, where there were the panelings with perspective views in wood executed by the hand of the carver Fra Giovanni for Pope Julius. Raffaello had painted both of those chambers, but it became necessary to repaint all the base to the scenes in the chamber of the Segnatura, which is that in which is the picture of Mount Parnassus. On which account a decorative design in imitation of marble was painted by Perino, with various terminal figures, festoons, masks, and other ornaments and, in certain spaces, scenes painted to look like bronze, which are very beautiful for works in fresco. In these scenes, even as above them were philosophers discoursing on philosophy, theologians on theology, and poets on poetry, were all the actions of those who have been eminent in those professions. And although he did not execute them all with his own hand, he retouched them so much a seco, besides making perfectly finished cartoons, that they may almost be said to be entirely by his hand, which method he employed because, being troubled by a catarrh, he was not fit for so much labor. Whereupon the Pope, recognizing that he deserved something both on account of his age and for all his work, and hearing him much recommended, gave him an allowance of twenty-five ducats a month, which lasted up to his death, on the condition that he should have charge of the palace and of the house of the Farnese family. By this time, Michelagnolo Buonarroti had uncovered the wall with the Last Judgment in the Papal Chapel, and there remained still unpainted the base below, where there was to be fixed a screen of arras woven in silk and gold, like the tapestries that adorn the chapel. Wherefore, the Pope having ordained that the weaving should be done in Flanders, it was arranged that with the consent of Michelagnolo that Perino should begin to paint a canvas of the same size, which he did, executing in it women, children, and terminal figures, holding festoons, and all very lifelike, 
with the most bizarre things of fancy. But this work, which was truly worthy of him, and of the divine picture that it was to adorn, remained unfinished after his death in some apartments of the Belvedere. After this, Antonio de Sangallo, having finished the building of the great Hall of Kings in front of the chapel of Sixtus IV in the Papal Palace, Perino divided the ceiling into a large pattern of octagonal compartments, crosses, and ovals, both sunk and in relief, which done, Perino was also commissioned to adorn it with stucco work, with the richest and most beautiful ornaments that could be produced by all the resources of that art. He thus began it, and in the octagons, in place of rosettes, he made four little boys in full relief, who, with their feet pointing to the center and their arms forming a circle, make a most beautiful rosette. And in the rest of the compartments are all the devices of the house of Farnese, with the arms of the Pope in the center of the vaulting. And this work in stucco may be said with truth to have surpassed in mastery of execution, in beauty, and in delicacy, all those that have ever been done by ancients or moderns, and to be truly worthy of the head of the Christian religion. After the designs of the same man, likewise, the glass windows were executed by Pastorino da Siena, an able master of that craft, and Perino caused the walls below to be prepared with very beautiful ornaments in stucco, intending to paint scenes there with his own hand, which were afterwards continued by the painter Daniello Ricciarelli of Volterra, who, if death had not cut short the noble aspirations that he had, would have proved how the moderns have the courage not only to equal the ancients with their works, but perhaps even to surpass them by a great measure. While the stucco work of this vaulting was in progress, and Perino was considering the designs for his scenes, the old walls of the church of San Pietro at Rome were being pulled down to make way for those of the new building, and the masons came to a wall where there was a Madonna with other pictures, by the hand of Giotto, which being seen by Perino, who was in the company of Messer Niccolo Acciaiuolo, a Florentine doctor and much his friend, both of them were moved to pity for that picture, and would not allow it to be destroyed. Nay, having caused the wall to be cut away around it, they had it well braced with beams and bars of iron, and deposited below the organ of San Pietro, in a place where there was neither altar nor any other consecrated object. And before the wall that had been round the Madonna was pulled down, Perino copied the figure of Orso della Angulara, the Roman senator who had crowned Maestro Francesco Petrarca on the Campidoglio, and who was at the feet of that Madonna. Round the picture of the Madonna were to be made some ornaments in stucco and painting, and together with them a memorial to a certain Niccolo Acciaioli, who had formerly been a Roman senator. And Perino, having made the designs, straightway set his hand to the work, and assisted by his young men and by Marcello Mantovano, his disciple, carried it out with great diligence. In the same San Pietro, the sacrament did not occupy, with regard to masonry, a very honorable position. Wherefore, certain deputies were appointed from the company of the sacrament, who ordained that a chapel should be built in the center of the old church by Antonio de San Gallo, partly with remains in the form of ancient marble columns, and partly with other ornaments of marble, bronze, and stucco, placing in the center a tabernacle by the hand of Donatello, by way of further adornment. And Perino executed there a very beautiful ceiling, with many minute scenes, full of figures from the Old Testament, symbolical of the sacrament. In the middle of it also he painted a somewhat larger scene, containing the Last Supper of Christ with the Apostles, and below it two prophets, one on either side of the body of Christ.
The same master, likewise, caused his young men to paint in the church of San Giuseppe, near the Repetta, the chapel of that church, which was afterwards retouched and finished by himself. And he also had a chapel painted after his design in the church of San Bartolomeo, in Isola, which he retouched in like manner, and caused some scenes to be painted at the high altar of San Salvatore de Lauro, with some grotesques on the vaulting, and likewise an annunciation on the façade outside, which was executed by his pupil, Girolamo Sermonetta. Thus, then, partly because he was not able, and partly because the labor wearied him, liking to design his works rather than to execute them, he pursued the same course that Raffaello da Urbino had formerly followed at the end of his life. How harmful and how blameworthy is this practice is proved by the Chigi works, and by all those carried out by other hands and is also shown by those that Perino caused to be executed in the same way. Besides which, those works of Giulio Romano's that he did not paint with his own hand have not done him much honor. And although this method pleases princes, giving them their works quickly, and perhaps benefits the craftsmen who labor upon them, yet, if they were the ablest men in the world, they could never feel that love for the works of others which a man feels for his own. Nor, however well drawn the cartoons may be, can they be imitated as exactly and as thoroughly as by the hand of their author, who, seeing the work going to ruin, in despair leaves it to fall into complete destruction. He then, who thirsts for honor, should do his own painting. This I can say from experience, for after I had labored with the greatest possible pains on the cartoons for the Hall of the Cancelleria in the Palace of San Giorgio in Rome, the work having to be executed with great haste in a hundred days, a vast number of painters were employed to paint it, who departed so far from their outlines and their true form that I made a resolution to which I have adhered, that from that time onward no one should lay a hand on any works of mine. Whoever therefore wishes to ensure long life for his name and his works should undertake fewer, and do them all with his own hand, if he desires to obtain that full meed of honor that a man of exalted genius seeks to acquire. I say, then, that Perino, by reason of the number of the labors committed to his care, was forced to employ many persons, and he thirsted rather for gain than for glory, considering that he had thrown away his life and had saved nothing in his youth. And it vexed him so much to see young men coming forward to undertake work that he sought to enroll them all under his own command, to the end that they might not encroach on his position. Now, in the year 1546, there came to Rome the Venetian Tiziano da Cadore, a painter highly celebrated for his portraits, who, having formerly taken a portrait of Pope Paul at the time when His Holiness went to Bosetto, without exacting any remuneration, either for that or for some others that he had executed for Cardinal Farnese and Santa Fiore, was received by those prelates with the greatest honor in the Belvedere, at which a rumor arose in the court, and then spread throughout Rome, to the effect that he had come in order to paint scenes with his own hand in the hall of kings in the palace, where Perino was to paint them, and the stucco work was already in progress." This arrival caused much vexation to Perino, and he complained of it to many of his friends, not because he believed that Tiziano was likely to surpass him at painting historical scenes in fresco, 
but because he desired to occupy himself with that work peacefully and honorably until his death. And if he was to do it, he wished to do it without competition, the wall and the vaulting by Michelagnolo in the chapel close by being more than enough for him by way of comparison. That suspicion was the reason that while Tiziano stayed in Rome, Perino always avoided him and remained in an ill humor until his departure. The Castellan of the Castello di San Angelo, Tiberio Crispo, who was afterwards made a cardinal, being a person who delighted in our arts, made up his mind to beautify the castle, and rebuilt loggie, chambers, halls, and apartments in a very handsome manner, in order to be able to receive his holiness more worthily when he went there. Many rooms and other ornaments were executed from the designs and under the direction of Raffaello da Montelupo, and then in the end by Antonio da San Gallo, and a loggia was wrought in stucco under the supervision of Raffaello, who also made the Angel of Marble, a figure six braccia high, which was placed on the summit of the highest tower in the castle. Tiberio then caused the said loggia, which is the one facing the meadows, to be painted by Girolamo Sermoneta, which, finished, the rest of the rooms were entrusted in part to Lucio Romano, and finally the halls and other important apartments were finished partly by Perino with his own hand, and partly by others after his cartoons. The principal hall is very pleasing and beautiful, being wrought in stucco and all filled with scenes from Roman history, executed for the most part by Perino's young men, and not a few by the hand of Marco da Siena, the disciple of Domenico Beccafumi, and in certain rooms there are most beautiful friezes. Perino, when he could find young men of ability, was wont to make use of them willingly in his works. But for all that, he never ceased to execute any commonplace commission. He very often painted pennons for trumpets, banners for the castle, and those of the fleet of the militant order. And he executed hangings, tabards, door curtains, and the most insignificant works of art. He began some canvases from which tapestries were to be woven for Prince Doria, and he painted a chapel for the very reverend Cardinal Farnese, and a writing study for the most illustrious Madama Margherita of Austria. He caused an ornamental frame to be made round the Madonna in Santa Maria del Pianto, and also another ornamental frame round the Madonna in Piazza Giudia, and he executed many other works, of which, by reason of their number, I will not now make any further mention, particularly because he was accustomed to accept any sort of work that came to his hand. This disposition of Perino's, which was well known to the officials of the palace, was the reason that he always had something to do for one or another of them, and he did it willingly, in order to bind them to himself, so that they might be obliged to serve him in the payment of his allowances and in his other requirements. In addition to this, Perino had acquired such authority that all the work in Rome was allotted to him, for the reason that, besides the circumstance that it appeared to be in a certain sense his due, he would sometimes execute commissions for the most paltry prices, whereby he did little good, nay rather, much harm, to himself and to art. That these words are true is proved by this, that if he had undertaken to paint the Hall of Kings in the palace on his own account, and had worked at it together with his own assistance, he would have saved several hundreds of crowns, which all went to the overseers who had charge of the work and paid the daily wages to those who worked there. 
thus having undertaken a burden so heavy and so laborious and being infirm and enfeebled by catarrh he was not able to endure such discomforts having to draw day and night and to meet the demands of the palace and among other things to make the designs of embroideries of engravings for banner makers and of innumerable ornaments required by the caprice of farnese and other cardinals and noblemen in short having his mind incessantly occupied and being always surrounded by sculptors masters in stucco wood carvers seamsters embroiderers painters gilders and other such like craftsmen he had never an hour of repose and the only happiness and contentment that he knew in this life were to find himself at times with some of his friends at a tavern, which was his favorite haunt in all the places where it fell to his lot to live, considering that this was the true blessedness and peace of this world, and the only repose from his labors. And thus, having ruined his constitution by the fatigues of his art and by his excesses in eating and in love, he was attacked by asthma, which, sapping his strength little by little, finally caused him to sink into consumption. And one evening, while talking with a friend near his house, he fell dead of an apoplectic seizure in his forty-seventh year. At this many craftsmen felt infinite sorrow, it being a truly great loss that art suffered. And he received honorable burial from his son-in-law, Maestro Giuseppo Cincio, the physician of Madama, and from his wife in the chapel of San Giuseppe in the Ritonda at Rome, with the following epitaph. Perino Bonacursio Vage Florentino, qui ingenio et arte singulari egregios cum pictoris permultus, tum plastus omnes facile superavit, Catharina Perina conjugi, Lavinia Bonacursia parenti, Josephus Cincius Socero carissimo et optimo facere. Vixit an forty six, men three, dies twenty one. Mortuus est fourteen, calend novem, an Christ, fifteen forty seven. The place of Perino was filled by Daniello of Volterra, who had worked much with him, and who finished the two other prophets that are in the chapel of the Crocifisso in San Marcello. Daniello has also adorned a chapel in Santa Trinita most beautifully with stucco work and painting for Signora Elena Orsina, with many other works of which mention will be made in the proper place. Perino, then, as may be seen from the works described and from many others that might be mentioned, was one of the most versatile painters of our times, in that he assisted the craftsmen to work excellently in stucco and executed grotesques, landscapes, animals, and all the other things of which a painter can have knowledge, using colors in fresco, in oils, and in distemper. Whence it may be said that he was the father of these most noble arts, seeing that his talents live in those who are continually imitating him in every honorable field of art. After Perino's death were published many prints taken from his drawings, such as the slaying of the giants that he executed in Genoa, eight stories of St. Peter taken from the Acts of the Apostles, of which he made designs for the embroidering of a cope for Pope Paul III, and many other things which are known by the manner. Perino made use of many young men, and taught the secrets of art to many disciples, but the best of them all, and the one of whom he availed himself more than of any other, was Girolamo Sicilante of Sermoneta, 
of whom there will be an account in the proper place. His disciple likewise was Marcello Mantovano, who executed on a wall at the entrance of the Castello di San Angelo, after the design and under the direction of Perino, a Madonna with many saints in fresco, which was a very beautiful thing. But of his works as well there will be an account elsewhere. Perino left many designs at his death, some by his hand and some by others, among the latter one of the whole chapel of Michelagnolo Buonarroti, drawn by the hand of Leonardo Cungi of Borgo a San Sepolcro, which was an excellent work. All these designs with other things were sold by his heirs, and in our book are many drawings done by him with the pen, which are very beautiful. End of section 19